Today was one of those mornings. I left the house. Try to leave the house early because I'm playing the drums, you know. Call it double dipping. And it was raining and my tire was flat. <laughs> so that's always fun, getting your tire pumped up with the ice cold rain coming down your, your back. And then my Bible iPad decided to die. And miraculously, it just came back on a 45% charge. So that's pretty cool. I'll take it. Will you all turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4? And I'm going to talk about my favorite subject to explore, to live, to grow in, and that is the kingdom of God. I just love it. It's a, fr- it's a phrase that we hear so often, but like many things, the thing that we get most familiar with, we have the opportunity to miss out on. When we get really familiar with something, sometimes we kind of overlook the power of it. I was thinking of my, um, I think I've given this analogy before, uh, my woodshop teacher back in high school uh, always asked us, what was, what's, the most, what's the most dangerous tool in the woodshop? Anybody know? <laughs> it's one of those trick questions with the trick answer. The answer is, <laughs> Travis might know, the, the, the tool in the woodshop that's the, the most dangerous is the one that you feel the most comfortable with because you let your guard down. I'll never forget uh, when I first started woodshop, we had this table saw. That thing is buzzing. It's loud and it's scary and it's shh. And we have this little pusher thing. So our, our, she, he was like, don't get within three feet of that blade. He gave us his pusher. So that as we got close to like ripping a piece of wood, the little pusher was there. So our hand was pushing the wood through. So our, we never got close to the blade. And after my first year of carpentry, and I went to carpentry too, By the time I got three years of carpentry in, I stopped using the little pusher stick, and I'm like a half an inch away from the blade, like, oh, I got this so comfortable. And isn't it amazing how comfort somehow takes away from the power of that thing that you were just messing with? And I think that applies to our knowledge of the kingdom of God. Sometimes we just say, oh, yeah, I know, the kingdom of God, yeah, we're going to go there one day. Or, oh, yeah, 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 on earth as it is in heaven, I got it. And I feel like there are times and seasons and places in our lives where it's like the saw, something that we used to be just like, oh, the kingdom of God. And now we're just like, oh, and we're missing the power of what it means to be kingdom of God people. We miss the power of the message of Jesus for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. We miss the power of what it means to proclaim a kingdom that is coming and is here. We miss the power to be the people who actually help prepare the earth for what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. In Matthew chapter 4, we read where John the Baptist had, had just got put in jail It's going to be verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he departed to Galilee, 
Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, and that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness saw a great light, and upon those who sat in the region a shadow of death, light was, was dawned. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. At the foundation of our faith, at the foundation of the ministry of Jesus, a kingdom is announced. At the very beginning, a kingdom is being announced. And he gives a way to prepare for the kingdom. What was the way God told, Jesus told the people to prepare for the kingdom of God? Repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or is near. So at the very foundation, at the very beginning, at the outset of Jesus' ministry, the kingdom of God is announced. And I believe with all my heart at the beginning of all of our ministries, our, our family ministries, our business, whatever we find ourselves, the kingdom of God must be announced as we begin whatever the ministry is that we are called to. Why, is, why do you think, I ask myself, you know, Jesus, why is, why is repentance required? And I, I believe that question requires us to allow our understanding of repentance to evolve. As a teenager and a young man, repentance was a word that I used to describe feeling bad for my sin and telling God I'm sorry. And that's, and that's definitely part of it, but that's not, I don't, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't saying repent, feel bad for your sins. He's literally saying, I need you to stop the way that you're going and go a completely different way. And in the, in the coming chapters, we're going to read some parts of the Sermon on the Mount, or at least see them, and he's going to begin to unpack a completely revolutionizing way of life. He's going to begin to say some crazy things. And before he begins to say this, he says, you need to change the way that you're going, change the way that you're thinking, because what I'm about to say is about to rock your world. And if you don't repent and start going my way, you're only going to be standing in the way. It might help you to understand the kingdom of God being announced. In Jesus' day, a kingdom being announced is kind of like a hurricane being announced here on the East Coast. Has anybody been here for a couple years and experienced hurricanes? I've been, there, I've been here since 89, and I've lost count. But I can tell you, when a hurricane is announced, what do people start to do? <laughs> Prepare. Kingdoms in Jesus' day are kind of like hurricanes in our day. Not, not long before Jesus, a new kingdom was, was announced. Caesar's kingdom. And all these kingdoms had something that came with it to help people prepare for how things were going to be after the new kingdom that was coming to play is established. 
we have different hurricanes. You know, we prepare a little differently for a category one than we do for like a four. If we get a four or five, we know if it makes landfall, life as we know it is going to be radically different for a little while. So picture that when you're hearing this announcement that Jesus is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the hurricane of heaven, if you will, but it's not going to destroy things. It's actually going to revolutionize the entire world. Life as you know it is about to change. And you can change with it or you can stand in opposition to it. That is what Jesus is saying when he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I believe at the beginning of his ministry, he made it clear. He spent weeks, days, months, and years talking about what it was like in the kingdom. You know, I, I, I grew up Baptist, and one of the favorite quotes of my good old Baptist upbringing was, you know, the Bible talks more about hell than it does heaven, right? You guys ever heard that? So we need to talk about hell more than we talk about heaven. But I had to debunk that a little bit because do you know how many more times the Bible talks about the kingdom than it does hell? Significantly more. I forgot. It was like one to four, one to three. It was, it was, so I feel like there is an element of the kingdom of God that we as, as, as a people of, of Jesus I just encourage you, dig into it. What does this look like? What does this mean? What was Jesus saying when he said the kingdom is at hand? And I feel like a starting point for me to help understand that is the way a hurricane is announced. And it's not just that whoop, 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 the surf is about to get good for somebody who likes the ocean, but it also means I need to get water, probably need to get some toilet paper, maybe... Uh, it's so funny. I saw this thing. It was like, everybody get crazy when a hurricane comes. You've been living off of a Snickers and a Mountain Dew for two weeks, but now when a hurricane's here, you need 80 bottles of water a day for some reason. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. But yeah, life as we know it is about to change for a little while when powerful storms roll through. And Jesus was saying, life as you know it. The faith that you knew is about to take on a whole new face. And not only are you to repent, but you are also called, we'll see, to help prepare the world. Part of your call is to help other people prepare for that kingdom. Help their lives begin to look like what life in the kingdom looks like. Right after the kingdom is announced, we see Jesus take his next steps. And the next step for me, in a kingdom ministry, is he calls disciples. The next thing that happens, he begins to call disciples, and he doesn't say, hey, Peter, James, John, Matthew, listen to me. Is that what he says? No, he says, follow me. And I think there's a powerful picture here. When kingdom people begin to change the way they live, they're changing the direction. Part of discipleship is saying, hey, I repented and I, I stopped going that way. Now I'm going this way. I want you to follow me. I am living in this direction called the kingdom of God. I'm living under this new way of life. 
and it's called the kingdom of God, and as disciples, and I will dare say as parents, as grandparents, we are called to tell our children, follow me. One of the saddest phrases I hear in the South is, do as I say, not as I do. It breaks my heart when I hear that. And it's the complete opposite of what Jesus teaches. And you can see it echoed in the life of Paul as well. We'll get there. Both of these said to their disciples, follow me. We're going to do a little segue here. Take a look at, um, at this call of the disciples. And then I'm going to see here. This is a little, little side note. Here it is, verse 23. He's calling the disciples, and it says this in, in 4.23. Now Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There's a phrase that'll mess with your mind a little bit. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and then what happened when the gospel of the kingdom is preached? And healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. (laughs) Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And some versions say, and he healed them all. And a great multitude followed him from Galilee from a word I'm not even going to try, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. It's interesting to me what precedes amazing breakout of healing, miracles, signs, and wonders is what? The preaching of the kingdom of God. This is where we're going to segue. Flip over to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 2. I want you guys to see this. I think, and this is something that I'm just, whenever I speak, I always try to give some homework always try to give some things for you all to, you know, take some time this week and, and dig into what I'm going to uh, suggest to you here. Hebrews chapter 2 says this. Let's go to verse uh, 1. Therefore, we must not, we, I'm sorry, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation, which is which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. I believe he's talking about that, the the salvation, the gospel of the kingdom, spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. I love that verse. This is where I want to kind of segue here for a second. It says, God also bearing witness. The other translation I read is said, and God endorsed the message of the apostles, or God um, validated the message with, and it goes on to say, various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, working of signs and wonders. And as I read that, 
I just love the idea of God endorsing, God validating, God confirming the message that's being preached is the message of the kingdom. And he confirms it with miracles, signs, and wonders. And I just want to propose this. I want to suggest this to us as a people, to myself. I've been digging into this. What if we don't necessarily need more faith to see miraculous signs and wonders, but maybe dig into what the gospel of the kingdom really is? Because there's a message that God will endorse with miracles, signs, and wonders, and it is the message of the kingdom of God. I spent so much of my time, God, I need more faith, I need more faith. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, seek faith. The disciples cried out for faith, but it's interesting, I think I brought this up before. When the disciples asked for more faith, it wasn't to raise the dead or heal the sick. When the disciples asked for more faith, it was to turn the other cheek 70 times seven times. So think about that for a moment. But I feel like there's an element of the kingdom of God being announced, the gospel of Jesus being proclaimed, that God endorses it. And I just encourage you all, like I've been, I've been on this journey of what is it to preach, to announce the kingdom of God in my world? What does it look like? And the answer that keeps coming to me one of the answers that keeps coming to me is a dream I had a couple weeks ago where uh, I had a dream where I was um, waiting tables. I, have a, I used to wait tables back when I was in my teenage years. And as I was waiting tables, the managers at the uh, restaurant kept calling meetings. Like, I got four tables, and you know they need sweet tea, and they need their drinks refilled or whatever. And every time I, they're all happy, I meet, a meeting gets called in my dream. So I have to go back to the employee lounge and listen to a meeting. And the whole time I'm thinking, there's people out there I'm supposed to be getting, their, and they're mad. So as soon as I get out of the meeting, I run back to my tables. All my tables are not happy with me. <laughs> so I get them all happy again, and another thing happens, and, and the manager's like, oh, hey, we need another meeting. So I run. Like, okay, so I go back to the meeting. In this dream, there's just like frustration. And uh, I woke up, and I feel like the Lord was saying, sometimes we get so caught up in these meetings that we're missing the people that we're supposed to be serving, making time to serve. And the scripture came to mind, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And I feel like a part of announcing the kingdom of God is following the ministry of Jesus to serve people. And I believe in service, we'll have an opportunity to announce that kingdom. And I believe in the announcing of that kingdom, we will see miraculous signs and wonders taking place. Because while there is an element where we go after miracle signs and wonders, there's also an element where miracle signs and wonders come after us. And we gotta, find, we gotta live that. And I think... Miracle signs and wonders are attracted to a preaching of the gospel that God confirms and validates. And what does that look like? What does that sound like? That's the one I want to preach. Does anybody else want to preach the gospel that God validates? Preach, announce the kingdom that God confirms? So in the next couple chapters of Matthew, we go back to Matthew. He starts, I think we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus begins to unpack some very practical, seemingly kind of boring part of scripture sometimes, as a, especially as a young man. I was like, okay, I want to get to the good stuff. I'm going to get to the dead being raised. But Jesus, is fi Jesus finds this pretty important. 
because it takes quite a while to unpack what this kingdom of God looks like. And you, and there, you, you have the Beatitudes, right? You know, blessed are the poor. And then you have, you know, things about adultery, things about oaths. He, he comes up with this radical idea of loving your enemies. He talks about what, it look, what true generosity looks like. He talks about praying in the secret. And the list goes on and on. Oh, he, there's another really great one in Matthew 6 where it talks about not worrying. The kingdom of God people are people who don't worry, right? We're the people of God who seek first the kingdom of God. We know that the flowers got clothes and the birds have a place to, to sleep and they up and we're the people of God and we're the kingdom people who don't worry. He just unpacks what it looks like to live life in your time there and now in the kingdom of God. And uh, I have a really good uh, I, analogy of this. I, I own a pressure washing business. I go to strange, strange people, not strange, strangers' houses all the time. You know, I got my, I got my, my uh, scrub face mask that I wear. You know, we live in a time where face masks are popular. I mean, they got bedazzled face masks, face masks that match your outfit. Got, anyway, I got some face masks from my, from my business. Just, uh, you never know who you're going to run into. So I go to some people's houses, and I'll open it, ring the doorbell, and they come, and they got their face mask on, and they got their plastic shield, and they say, no, go, and they point to the garage, and they open up their garage, and they say, you know, social distance, stay, stay away. Like, I was like, okay, I'm just letting you know I was here to start pressure washing, you know. Thank you so much. And then the next house I'll go to, I'll ring the doorbell, and you never know what to get. And the person's like, I'll just take that mask off. This is all fake, man. Who cares? And he's shaking my hand, giving me a hug. It's, it's like, what is going on? Like, these two people are living the exact same time with two completely different life experiences. And I'm not here to talk about whether one of them is right or wrong. I'm just telling you that people are living in 2020, two doors down from each other, with drastically different approaches to life. And I thought about that as I'm thinking about what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And most of his ministry, he's telling people, this is how you are to live in this world. This isn't just good advice. This is good news. And this is how it is. And then you see what kingdom life, he gives, begins to unpack it. And I know in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our, our society that's so inundated with fear and financial stress and everything else, we slip into it and we begin to live out of out of something other than the kingdom of God. And I thank God for his Holy Spirit that always pulls us back. Thank God for the people in our church, our friends, that encourage us back to living in this kingdom way of life. And then from there, we are able to begin to help others live this kingdom way of life. Does that make sense? I just feel like that was... It was shocking to me how completely different two people living in the same time. Obviously, they're listening to something different. They have different experiences going on in their lives that shape them. But ultimately, the kingdom of God should be shaping the way we live life. The kingdom of God should be what we are, our number one allegiance lies is to the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God is the place where my mind goes first. The kingdom of God is where my heart goes first. The kingdom of God is the reality in which I live, and I am very quickly aware and even convicted when I begin to live outside of it. And Lord calls me back. Holy Spirit gently whispers back, you're not made for that. You're not made for stress. You're not made for fear. You're not made for anxiety. You have been born again, and when you got born again, you got completely born into a DNA of heaven where all these things, like worry, it's not part of you. I speak this simply, not as somebody who's trying to give you good ideas. I, have, I, I try to live this every day, and I, and I fall short daily. I allow things in at times, and I respond in a completely incongruent way to the kingdom of God. But as I become aware, and as I've prayed, and as I have tried to take a step every day, and I have seen victories in my life, and I have seen more and more opportunities for me to act different than the kingdom, and yet my natural response was, it's all good. I think one of my favorite phrases is, it's all good. <laughs> It's like, in the kingdom of God, it's all good. A couple of weeks ago, I was leading worship, and I just started singing out, there's no bad news in the kingdom. There's no bad news in the kingdom of God. Rick Joyner was here a couple weeks ago, and he said, the news is so boring when you begin to see what's happening in the kingdom of God. I don't care what news, if, I don't care if the news is confirming or denying your personal beliefs, it's all so boring compared to what the kingdom of God is doing in the earth and in your life right now. And that is where your primary allegiance has to lie. It's where my primary allegiance has to lie is in the kingdom of God. If it doesn't, if your allegiance to something else is taking you this way, Jesus' word to you would be what? Repent. Your allegiance should be the kingdom of God. Move, move out of the way or start heading the way of the kingdom. Lastly, I want to talk to you a little bit about one of my favorite scriptures, second to you know, Jesus' announcing of the kingdom. Paul, in his own way, and this is going to be a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, uh, I guess, repeat from the last time I spoke, but it just, I just couldn't shake this teaching. In Philippians 4, it's, it's a very misquoted, misunderstood, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, scripture. But as I, some, I'll read, and sometimes I nerd out on, you know, scholarly books, and one of them have, gave this really great analogy, and it was like, uh, it, was a, it was an analogy of a symphony, like, like who was it, Beethoven's fifth, do, 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 is that right? Beethoven's fifth, is that right? Okay. Do, 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 do. It's like Jesus announces the symphony of the kingdom of God. And we have Paul, who later, you know, there's been hundreds of people who have redone Mozart's symphony, right? Other people have come in and, and done it. You can go probably to Wilmington University and somebody will do it in this year next. And it was this really good analogy of, you know, Jesus announces the symphony, if you will, of the kingdom of God. And you have Paul coming... It's not Paul's symphony. He's just replaying. He's just, he is just redoing the same message that Jesus announced. And that's what we're called to do. That we're, we are to be the people 
who continually replay the symphony of Jesus that he wrote for us, the kingdom of God. So that, does, that helps me understand this. Sometimes we, you know, we get it twisted sometimes. So Philippians 3, let's go to 17. It says this, brethren, join in following my example. Again, he's echoing what Jesus said when he called the disciples. He said, follow me. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, brethren, follow me and note those who so walk as you have for a pattern. Again, they're walking and living in a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you so often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There are people who are walking in a different direction. There are people who have not heeded the call of Jesus to repent, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly Wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Again, sometimes we miss it, but Paul is echoing here the on earth as it is in heaven prayer that Jesus spoke. And a lot of times we miss it. A lot of times we read this verse and we hear the phrase, we're citizens of heaven, and that means one day I want to get to heaven. One day, cross cross my fingers, God. But what Paul is teaching here is a completely different thing than what I grew up believing about the kingdom of God and being a citizen of heaven. A little back history, just a little information. Philippi, is like a colony of Rome. Does that make sense? Philippi is like a city that Roman people have established. So there are people who lived in the city of Philippi that were actually citizens of the kingdom of Rome. Does that make sense? So Paul is talking to people who understood what it meant to live somewhere else while being a citizen of another place. Are you seeing, the, are you seeing the, the symbolism here? Paul is saying is, here in Philippi, there are people from Rome, and what, they have, what have they done? Does, does, Philippi is ran a lot like Rome is ran. The people who came and established this colony, they made Philippi operate the same way that Rome would operate. And I think Paul is using this example for us, again, just saying, you all are living in the colony of earth, right? But you're citizens of somewhere else. And it's your job not to one day hope that you can get to the mothership one day, but to take all that you know of the redeeming work of Jesus in your life and shape your world to look like the kingdom of God. To announce the kingdom. To announce the rule and the reign of Jesus 
in your colony of earth, in your colony of where you work, in the colony of your family. Establish the kingdom of God where you are. That's what Paul is saying. The Roman citizens who lived in Philippi, they were completely loyal to Rome. And Jesus is calling us to be completely loyal to the way his kingdom operates, to be completely loyal to the ways in which the kingdom of God is running. That's why Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. And I feel like the next time I speak, I'll probably be sharing on this some more, just because I, I just, I live this. I try my best every day to live the kingdom. What does the kingdom look like raising two teenagers and two toddlers at the same time? What does the kingdom of God look like to be a husband? What does the kingdom of God look like as a wife? What does the kingdom of God look like as a business owner? What does the kingdom of God look like as a son and a daughter? What does the kingdom of God look like as someone who looks in the mirror and feels nothing but brokenness and shame, but there's a word for you that you're not that? What does the kingdom of God look like in a hospital? What does the kingdom of God look like for a recovery house? What does the kingdom of God look like when you feel like you've completely lost your way, but the kingdom of God says you are completely redeemable? The work has already been done. Again, when Jesus was announcing the kingdom, he was announcing good news, not just good advice. As people who have repented, as people who are being led by the Holy Spirit to live as kingdom people. I believe he's calling us to prepare the world around us to look like the kingdom of God. When the world around us is completely selfish, we demonstrate the power of generosity. When the world around us is broken and ashamed, we release healing and we release wholeness. When the kingdom and the world around us is building their own kingdoms, we find a way to get down on our hands and knees and wash their feet and serve. When the kingdom around us has lost all hope, we announce a kingdom that releases power, miracles, and signs and wonders as God confirms the message that we're speaking is true. It is my prayer that my primary allegiance My number one allegiance is to the kingdom of God, to Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he announced. To serve people well, to love with self-giving love, and to see the fruit of the spirit yielded in my life to see the kingdom of God established everywhere I go. And I realize for me, it starts at home. It starts with my little ones. It starts with my wife. It starts sometimes, some of, you need to, some of you need to realize that living in the kingdom starts when you look in the mirror. Sometimes the kingdom of God, more often than not, begins with who you see when you look in the mirror. That song that we sang this morning about shame being a prisoner a prison or something like that, fear being a liar. Some of you, myself included, I'm talking to myself, when I look in the mirror, I begin to see through the lenses of shame and fear. And it takes me out. It 
causes me to lose momentum. And I feel like the kingdom of God would say to you, beloved son, beloved daughter, the redeeming work of Jesus applies to you and offer up that song of praise that Melissa was talking about, that perfected song of praise from a child who knows nothing but pure love, who knows nothing but pure love. Allow the kingdom to impact who you see when you look in the mirror. I'll end with this. I was uh, walking this past weekend, took my boys camping, and uh, it was a little different trip this year. Normally, they get up with me and hike early in the morning, but this particular morning, they didn't feel like getting up. They're teenagers. They slept in. And it had just snowed like four inches. So I went on this. I rented a four-wheel drive vehicle, which that's my next purchase, by the way, sidetrack. Four-wheel drive is awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm, I drive up through Pisgah, and I find this trail. And uh, I park there. I'm the only one anywhere. The only tracks I see are deer tracks. And I'm walking, and I'm just blown away at the, the beauty of the, of the surround. Everything's just, you know, it's a beautiful trail when it's not covered in snow, but now it's covered in snow. And you hear the creek rumbling, and I think, I sent you the video, Travis? And I was like, yeah, I'm here. And I was like, I think I'm breaking, like, the number one hiking rule right now by, like, doing this alone <laughs> with no cell surface. <laughs> but I'm, obviously, I'm back. Anyway, I'm walking around, and I finally, mile or two in, get to the waterfall, and I'm just like, wow, the, the sun's coming through, and it's making this like rainbow, and snow's all around, and I'm just like, wow. Oh, I, I mean, I got a little hippie on, I mean, I got a little hippie in me, I think, and I'm just like, nature, yeah, give me a tree to hug, this is awesome. And I was just like, oh, and I just took a minute to be still, and I was like, Lord, this would be a really great opportunity this would be a really great opportunity if you just wanted to give me some really deep, profound word of wisdom, revelation that you just want to drop on me. I got my notes out, stood, stood still, and all I could hear the Lord say in, in my, the stillness of my mind was, every time you breathe, I am captivated with you the same way that you are captivated with this hike and this waterfall and even more so. All the beauty of that hike, and the Lord just wanted me to know. The, the, the deepest thing that he could speak to me in that moment was, I am more captivated with you than you are the beauty of this waterfall and this hike. And I want you all to hear that this morning. He is more captivated with you than all of creation. He looks at you, and he says, son, daughter, you are loved perfectly. Shame and fear have no place in you. You are members, you are heirs, you are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. If you've been living in the direction of shame and fear, God would call you to repent and live in the direction of absolute love and acceptance. When the kingdom of God people walk in fear and shame, the world has no hope. When the kingdom of God people walk in fear and doubt and worry and anxiety, the world has no hope. 
we are the ones who carry the reality of this kingdom of a father and a king who was captivated by every single breath we breathe. This is the kingdom of God, you all. It is is better than you can imagine. It is the complete opposite of too good to be true. It is better than you could ever imagine. And we we will spend all of our days exploring it, rejoicing in it, falling forward and getting back up and saying, yay, God, there you are again to dust me off, smile at me with that smile of Father God that means, yeah, you fell, but your fall has nothing to do with the way I love you. He's a healer. He's a father. He's a friend. He's the king of kings. He's redeemed us, and he calls us to live in the redemptive work that he has announced, and to go and announce it, to go and announce it. It's way more powerful than a Category 5, and when it arrives, it changes the way we live life. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, amen? amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your presence here today. Thank you, Jesus, for your kingdom. Thank you for the redeeming work of the cross in all of our lives. Thank you for erasing every shadow of shame from all of our faces. Thank you for giving us peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for giving us a hope and a confidence in you that cannot be shaken. Lord, I just ask as we we explore what it means, what it looks like, and how to live in the kingdom of God, Lord, that we would be the kingdom people that help the world around us, that help our children prepare, that help our sons, our daughters, our, our, our wives, our husbands, that help our coworkers, that help our enemies prepare and to receive your kingdom and your gospel. Lord, I pray for those of us who struggle when we look in the mirror. Lord, I just ask right now, that you would begin to change. Change the way that we see ourselves, Lord. Give us eyes to see the beauty that you see. Give us eyes to see ourselves through the lens of the perfect work of your Son. Lord, I ask that you would give us wisdom to see where we can serve, where we can practically serve in our community, the places that you have called us to wash people's feet. And we ask, Lord, as we serve, that we would announce your kingdom boldly. Lord, that we would just see the evidence of signs and wonders confirming the message that we are speaking is true everywhere we place our feet. Amen? Amen.